You're listening to the Mission Church Podcast. Each message comes from our Sunday morning gatherings where we worship in community, study God's Word, and grow in our faith together to the glory of Jesus Christ. The Mission Church is committed to helping each person belong and believe and to equip them to embrace the call of God upon their life. We pray these messages will build your faith and encourage you today. Well, get your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. We're going through verse by verse. Uh, We left off last week looking at the rich young leader. And we're picking up right where we left off last week. Title of the message this morning is Resurrection Rewards. Resurrection Rewards. Uh, There are rewards that Jesus is going to give us after this life is over. Uh, How many of you like making a good investment, you know, you, for your 401k, you buy some stocks or you buy Bitcoin and, or you buy whatever and uh, uh, you're on Robin Hood and you're short sell something and, uh, or whatever it is you do and you make a good investment and you go, Nice. I mean, just nice, right? I see Jim here, and he's a financial investor and a financial advisor, and that's his living, right, is, is getting people to, to help their investments go well. Well, we're going to learn today one of the best investments we could make is living our lives to the glory of Jesus Christ because there are something called resurrection rewards that Jesus is going to give at the uh, end of time, at the resurrection, at the bodily resurrection, and those rewards will be for eternity. Just incredible to ponder that, uh, you know, it'd be amazing just, to, just that we get into heaven, right, by, by a free gift of salvation. But on top of all that, Jesus gives rewards to those who walk in faith and uh, uh, live their lives to his glory. And so today we're going to be looking at that, these eternal rewards given to us at the resurrection to those who live uh, for Jesus. Uh, As I was thinking about this, I thought, um, it's a subject that doesn't often get taught in church. Uh, We talk about going to heaven, but we don't often talk about resurrection rewards. And uh, I was thinking uh, of my high school experience. And how many of you... If you could do high school over again, knowing what you know now, would like to do high school over again, right? Uh, Just do it differently from how I would. You know what I would actually do? I would actually try something very unique. If I had to do high school over again, I would actually go there to learn. I mean, (laughs) what a concept, right? Uh, I was so... Uh, bent on just having fun and chasing girls and riding motorcycles and playing sports. I didn't even think about learning, nor did I give it any uh, uh, the merit, the, the attention that it deserved. And oh, I would love to go back and actually listen to my teachers. What a, what a novel idea. Uh, And uh, I think, you know, most of us probably made some mistakes in high school. We probably wouldn't care so much about what other people think. We probably would have been, uh, would like to be more focused and maybe even college, same things, I don't know. Um, But we can't do high school over again uh, to correct the mistakes that we made. Uh, But we can, however, change the way we're living right now as we prepare ourselves for the resurrection. And this life is just a primer. 
Uh, the Bible calls this life a seedling, if you will, a seed that we are going to plant. And uh, from this planted seed, God gives a resurrected body as he pleases. And uh, we're going to be looking at that. Um, I read a Gallup poll uh, this week uh, talking about heaven and, and uh, you know, the different beliefs on it. And it's interesting, 81% uh, of Americans believe in heaven. 10% uh, are unsure and 8% do not believe, but 81% of Americans believe in heaven. That's a lot, right? That's like, you know, that's a, that's a big majority. 70% believe in hell. And uh, I looked at a poll uh, that went back 25 years ago, and those numbers, what do you think they've done? Gone up, gone down? Those numbers have stayed virtually the same in the last 25 years, which was interesting to me. 81% uh, believing in heaven, 70% believing in hell. Uh, an article in the LA Times, a poll they did, 72% believe they will go to heaven. Uh, but they're not sure about their friends going to heaven. They don't think their friends will, but they think they will. So I don't know if that, what that reveals. Either uh, they don't think very highly of their friends or, or they think too highly of themselves or maybe a culmination of both. I don't know. Uh, but Jesus repeatedly talked about heaven and hell. And he talked about the reality of them. And the scripture gives us a real clear understanding that in heaven and in hell, there is a full comprehension, a full remembrance of your life here, and a full understanding of what's going on, that heaven and hell are real places, and that they're eternal. Uh, heaven is a place where we get to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. We get to behold his glory, his beauty. We get to be... Uh, there with the, the, the host of heaven and, and his goal is to bring all of uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament and the angels and everything all into one family and how amazing it's going to be. It also talks about hell and Jesus spoke about hell a lot. He doesn't want anyone to go there. The Bible tells us that hell was not created for man. It was created for Satan and his angels and yet by deception, Satan comes to deceive, to steal, to kill and destroy. And uh, Jesus said, many are those who go that way. And uh, it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and eternal torment. It's a place of outer darkness. Uh, no one in hell right now, uh, uh, that comes at the great white throne judgment. Um, but it's a very real place. And Jesus repeatedly spoke about it. And he said that heaven is a free gift. Uh, it's not of works. It's not of uh, good deeds. It's not of anything but just recognizing, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved, Lord. I'm selfish. I'm greedy. I'm egotistical. I am, am, I'm immoral. Uh, Lord, I've broken your commandments. I've went against you. And by acknowledging our sin and calling out on Jesus Christ who went to a cross to pay the punishment of our sin, we can be saved. How amazing. The free gift of salvation to all who call upon him in spirit and in truth. 
Uh, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance and walk in, in a relationship with him. So if you haven't done that, that's God's will. It's laid out clearly in scripture. And last week we looked at a guy, he, he was a rich young leader. He was wealthy, incredibly wealthy. He was powerful. He, he oversaw a lot of people and he was young. He had everything going for him. He was the Elon Musk of two millennia ago, right? He was just this young, powerful ruler who had everything going for him and he came to Jesus and he asked Jesus a question he said what must I do to earn eternal life and we looked at the story last week and Jesus gave the answer he says well you're not going to like the answer if you want to earn eternal life you have to be perfect you have to be perfect you have to keep all of the commandments and the rich young leader says, well, which ones? And Jesus rattles off a few. And he says, all of these I've done from my youth. And, and Jesus says, no, I don't think so. He goes, even loving your neighbor as yourself you haven't done. If you have, go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. That is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Go and do that one. Uh, and the guy went away sad because he had tremendous possessions. He could not measure up to the standards that God has established. And the truth is, is that none of us can. And when Jesus said, if you want to earn your way to, to heaven, you got to keep the commandments, the man should have said, I can't. They're too high. They're too holy for me. I'm not able to walk in them. And Jesus would have said, oh, great answer. Come to me. I'll cleanse you of your sin. I'll wash you of your sin. And I'll give you eternal life as a free gift. And so that's where we were uh, at last week. And we pick it up right where we left off. We're going to pick up uh, in verse 23. Uh, Jesus, uh, this rich young ruler, he, he leaves, he departs from Jesus. He walks away from an opportunity to follow Jesus, to be with Jesus. And he walks away and uh, uh, sad, just uh, his, he had great possessions, or I should say his great possessions had him, and he leaves sad. In verse 23, Jesus then turns and he speaks to the disciples, and look what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, assuredly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, why? Why? Why is it hard for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of heaven? Well, generally, people who are wealthy are talented, are successful. They know how to get their way. They know how to buy themselves out, how to buy themselves out, out of a problem. They can fix anything. And so they try to get salvation on their own merit, on their own steam. And Jesus said, it's hard for them to trust in me because they, just, they only trust in themselves. Verse 24, he says, again, I say, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And when the disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? And the answer is, no one by human merit. 
there's some who believe that the eye of the cam- you know the camel going through the eye of a needle referred to a small gate that camels we talked about last week. Camels have to take off all their stuff and you have to push the camel. Th- no, 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 not true. No archaeological evidence for that. No historical evidence for that. Just a fancy rumor, and it ruins the the imagery that Jesus is giving. Look what he says. He says, no one. Uh, 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 Look what Jesus says in verse 20. Jesus looks at them and said, with men it's impossible. It's impossible to get a camel through the eye of a needle. Jesus chose the biggest thing in Palestine and the smallest thing in Palestine and he said, get this through this and uh, good luck with that, right? It's impossible. With men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. And I think if the rich young ruler would have just said, oh, Jesus, I can't keep your commandments. They're too high. They're too holy. Have mercy on me, Lord. Save me. Jesus would have said, yes, that's what I've been looking for. Uh, and, you know, uh, given him the, the free gift of salvation. Uh, but he didn't. He went away because he, he you know, wanted to do it in his own steam. Verse 27, Peter answered and said to him, said to Jesus, see, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? The rich young leader, he wouldn't leave anything. Peter says, Jesus, hey, we've left everything. I left my fishing business. I don't know how I'm going to make the mortgage this month. I've been following you and somehow it's all working out. But Lord, we've left everything. What will we have? And look at Jesus' answer. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, that in the regeneration, you might want to circle those words, the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, the regeneration, Jesus is talking about the millennial kingdom, the regeneration of the earth. When the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty big reward. That's a pretty big, uh, I'm sure Peter's eyes were like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. I mean, amazing. And look what he says, verse 29. And everyone, underline everyone, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my namesake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Not leaving because it was hard being married. Not leaving because the kids are driving me nuts. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, no, no, no. If a man doesn't provide for his own household, he's worse than an unbeliever. We're not talking about abandoning family. What are we talking about? There's no one who has gone to the mission field and been separated for his family for a few months or who has taken his family to the mission field or there's no one who has uh, uh, lost a close friend because they wouldn't 
accept your faith and your walk with the Lord and, and, and they wrote you off because of it and you tried to keep the friendship but they had wanted nothing to do with you. Jesus says there's no one who uh, has lost any of these things that won't receive a hundredfold. And then look how he finishes this. Um, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Eternal life, a free gift. Uh, receive a hundredfold, tremendous rewards. Verse 30, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. I want to break this down with you and see if we can uh, discern some, of, some things there. Uh, Jesus says in the regeneration, the regeneration, what is that? Well, there is a day coming when planet Earth will be restored to its Eden-like state. Uh, the, the, at the fall of man, when Adam and Eve sinned, the earth went through a tremendous change. And even though the earth is incredibly beautiful, and it is. I mean, you look at a sunset and you go, wow, Lord, truly the heavens declare your glory. The firmament shows your handiwork. It's just amazing. Your creation is beautiful. Uh, you look at the sunset and there's the waves coming in and the glassy sea and the dolphin jumping and the kids playing and, and you just say, what a beautiful world. What a beautiful place. As I mentioned uh, during announcements, I've got this, these vines in my backyard. These, they're, they're beautiful green vines all year long. And right now, these yellow flowers just popping out all over, littering little yellow flowers on the floor. Uh, it's like God is so wealthy, he can just drop his beautiful... It's like amazing to me. I look at it and I just, I'm in awe. But as beautiful as this world is, it is also cruel, isn't it? We see hardships and we see bad things and we see rapes and murders and stealing and crime and tornadoes and famines and all kinds of things that are hard. And the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a regeneration on the earth and the earth is going to be restored. And Jesus alludes to that here in verse 28. He says, Assuredly I say to you that at the regeneration, when does it happen? When the Son of Man returns, he's going to sit on a throne of his glory. Uh, it's going to uh, just, he's going to restore the earth to its Eden-like state. And the Old Testament prophets let us know that this was going to happen. They spoke about it over and over. Uh, a lot of places we could turn to to find their words on it. There's going to be no more theft, no more crime, no more murder, no more poverty, no more drugs, no more uh, just, just a restored earth. How amazing. How amazing. Uh, the Bible talks about some of the changes that are going to happen. Uh, there's going to be a river that starts and, and flows from Jerusalem and goes out into the whole world and heals all the nations. I mean, just amazing. I think that's also a picture of the Holy Spirit flowing out of, uh, from Jerusalem to all the world. And as I mentioned, the Old Testament prophets wrote a lot about this. Uh, here's a verse for you on your screens uh, from Isaiah chapter 11. And let me hear you read this, church. Let me hear you uh, give a thundering voice this morning in unison. Uh, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopards shall lie down with the young goat, 
the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. Look at some of the things that are there in that passage, incredible. The wolf is going to lay down with who? Right now, what does the wolf do to the lamb? He devours that little lamb. That little lamb's just like scared, you know, running around looking for shelter, right? And uh, no, this is going to be, they're going to snuggle up. The leopards and the young goat, just amazing. The cow and the bear are going to graze. What does the bear graze on now? Yeah, the bear grazes on the animal, on the cow. Uh, and look at this, it says, and young ones shall lie down together. Just imagine a little cow and a little bear, just amazing. Uh, and even lions will be uh, vegetarian, and, and uh, the whole animal kingdom will go from being carnivorous to vegetarian. Let's go on to the rest of the verse. The nursing child, little kids, little toddlers, read with me. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. Wow. We get glimpses of this a little bit. We can see that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. We can kind of see, oh, I know what it should be like. You see some guy, some, you know, like uh, in, in Africa, and this guy grows up and this gets this cub from a, you know, from when it was a lion cub from a baby, and he grows it, and, and then he releases it. And you see, have you, you've probably seen that on social media, right? And then the guy comes back to Africa, and that lion sees him, right? He's full-grown lion now, and he comes up and just pounces on him in a good way to play, you know? And we get glimpses of what it could be, what it might be. And Jesus, in the regeneration, um, think about what this earth is going to be like. Oh, how amazing. Uh, and the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord, just like the waters cover the sea. Why will the earth be full of the knowledge of the Lord? Why? Let me hear from you. Why? How? How will that work? Practically, what will that be like? Is the earth full of the knowledge of the Lord right now? No, it's a rare thing. Most people are biblically illiterate. Uh, so thankful that you are here at a, with Bibles open and pens in hand. You want to know the Word of God. Uh, but most people don't know these things. And, uh, but here, the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Do you know why? Because Jesus will be there bodily and physically ruling and reigning and teaching. And uh, the, uh, the whole earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord just as waters cover the sea. Let's finish this passage. And in that day, there will be a root of Jesse. Who is Jesse, by the way? Jesse was a poor farmer. A poor farmer had nothing. And God came and said, one of your boys is going to be king of Israel. And it was King David. And here it says, in that day there shall be a root of Jesse. Why a root? Because the, David king, the Davidic kingdom has been cut off. There's no descendants of David on the throne. But out of the roots of that kingdom, there's going to be one who will stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him. The whole world will seek him. 
and his resting place shall be glorious. Where will his resting place be? It'll be right here on earth. His resting place will be beautiful. Uh, oh, just amazing to consider. Here's the next point that we see in this passage in Matthew. Uh, not only is there going to be a regeneration of the earth, but the Son of Man is going to sit on the throne of his glory. Jesus will reign on the earth on a throne of glory. Just incredible. Put that next slide up for me, if you will. Jesus will reign on the earth from a throne of glory. And all of the earth is going to know his wisdom and his knowledge. He's going to rule and reign from the earth. And only with Jesus at the helm will the world be at peace. Uh, a lot of world leaders have come on through the ages and yet it has always ended in war and only with Jesus at the helm will the world find the peace that the world is longing for. No more wars, no more fighting, no more tyrannical leaders who are drunk on power and wealth, no more lies and deceit and, and deceptive press and, and lying politicians and no more of that. King Jesus will reign on the earth. Uh, this is what God has planned for planet earth. And it's glorious. He's going to regenerate the earth to a time of uh, its Eden-like state. And he's going to come and to rule and reign for a thousand years. And this is what all the Old Testament prophets spoke of. This is why the disciples were always asking Jesus, are you going to set up your kingdom now? Are you going to set up your kingdom now? Because all of these things were promised. And the time is going to come. Jesus will reign on the earth from a throne of glory. And he tells us that here. He says, listen, in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory. Uh, just incredible to consider. Uh, won't you be glad when there's no more lying politicians? Won't that be a good thing? Uh, did you see Thursday, excuse me, Friday night, by the way, uh, the White House passed the American Rescue Plan? Did you see that? Uh, they did it late in the middle of the night. No Republicans on the floor. They passed it through without them. Uh, $1.9 trillion with a T, $1.9 trillion dollars. Uh, just incredible. Uh, Ted Cruz said that uh, only 9% of that money, of the $1.9 trillion in the American Rescue Plan, only 9% of that money is actually used for COVID relief. Uh, I went and looked. It's a 500-page plan. I mean, uh, I don't know how there's so much stuff in there. It's so full of unkosher pork, uh, I can't even believe it. Uh, uh, but it's not 9%. I think Ted Cruz was... Uh, not accurate in that, but I think only probably about 30% of it actually goes to COVID relief. And um, won't you be glad when all that's done away with? Uh, this is nothing new, by the way. It's been going on in man's governments forever. Uh, but Jesus will reign on the earth on a throne of glory, and um, it'll be a righteous reign. It'll be a reign of truth and righteousness and, and equity and justice on the earth. And the world will be at peace. Before Jesus comes though, before he comes to reign on the earth, I want you to know there's some hard times coming for planet earth. And uh, we want to be prepared. We want to be wise. We want to know what the Bible says. The Bible says that there's a seven-year tribulation period that's coming. 
and it's going to be a dark, dark time on planet Earth. Uh, our, you know, very good chance that uh, uh, this nation that was uh, built on the Christian precepts and, and godly values, a very good chance that uh, um, this separation begins to get bigger and bigger. Uh, there's a tribulation coming. There's a antichrist coming. This antichrist, he'll be a world leader, and he will unite all the nations together, and uh, he'll bring peace for a short time. But in the middle of that period, he's going to turn on the nation Israel and bring all the nations of the earth against Israel in a genocide against the Jews that is so big that it'll make uh, Hitler's Holocaust look like a schoolboy fight in comparison. Uh, I mean, just incredible to consider. And uh, he'll persecute the Jews and it'll turn into a battle that ultimately leads to the battle of Armageddon where all flesh would be destroyed, Jesus said, unless those days were shortened. Nevertheless, for the elect's sake or for Israel's sake, uh, Jesus will shorten those days and he will come back and he will stop the battle of Armageddon. And I can almost envision it. I can almost see a vision of it. You know, the nuclear warheads have been launched. They're in the air. And the battle is, the carnage has been going on for uh, years and, and the fighting is horrible and all the nations there gathered in the Middle East and Jesus comes back and puts a stop to all of it or all flesh would be destroyed. But for Israel's sake, he comes and he, he restores it. And uh, uh, then he, he sets up his millennial kingdom. And like I said, it's going to be amazing. amazing. Can you imagine living in a world where a righteous king is on the throne, ruling and reigning? Uh, man, be incredible. And it's going to happen. And his name is Jesus. And uh, again, the Bible just... Uh, just speaks a lot, of, a lot about these things. Uh, even in the Christmas story, uh, there's a promise of Jesus' reign on this earth. Uh, here's a verse for you, Isaiah 9. Uh, the Old Testament prophets just spoke of it over and over again. This is Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Let me hear you read this out loud. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Interesting. The government will be on his shoulders. He'll govern the world. Keep reading with me. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Wow. Look at this, uh, very clear, no commentary needed. Uh, unto us a child is born, that's Jesus. Unto us a son is given, that's the son of God. The government will be on his shoulders. His name is Mighty God. Wonderful counselor, everlasting father. I mean, just amazing, right? Let's go on, read, read the rest of the verse. And upon the throne of David, there's that promise once again. Jesus promised, it's called the Davidic covenant for you Bible scholars, the Davidic covenant. God made a covenant with David that there would always be a uh, lineage of his seed on the throne forever. And that is fulfilled in the person of Jesus when he comes to rule and reign on the earth. Under the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from that time forward even forever. 
The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You say, Dave, why are you talking about all these things this morning? Because I want to remind you of the plans that God has for you. I want to remind you of the plans that God has for this earth. And even though all hell may seem to break out on earth, and it will, and it's only going to get darker. I'm not being pessimistic. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Uh, yeah, uh, even though it gets dark, uh, Jesus is coming back to rule and reign, and his, his reign is amazing. This is the messianic kingdom that was promised from the beginning of time, and it will be fulfilled. It is certain. Jesus will reign on the earth from a throne of glory. He has promised it from the beginning of time. He will keep his word. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish it. He will regather Israel. He has regathered Israel into the land. And uh, he will save Israel and bring them into salvation. Right now they're not. They're blind spiritually. He will bring them into salvation. And uh, promised all through the Bible. In the book of Revelation, it tells us that promise is still going to happen. Revelation 11 on your screens. Take a look at this. Read with me. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, the world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. God keeps his promises. And here we see in Revelation 11 that this promise still stands. It's coming and Jesus will perform it. The Lord of hosts and all of his zeal will bring it into fruition. And so uh, may we be encouraged, man. Just amazing to consider. Planet earth is going to be restored and Jesus will reign on the earth. And uh, look what else he says. Here's the next thing he says. The apostles will govern Israel in the new kingdom. Just incredible. I mean, look at the rewards that Jesus says here. Verse 28, once again, Assuredly I say to you that in the regeneration, that's when the earth is regenerated, the Son of Man will sit on a throne of glory. Yeah, that's the messianic reign, the millennial kingdom. And you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones judging the tribes of Israel. Israel will be the capital of the world. There will be no more voting. There will be no more nations. There will be no more uh, independent kingdoms. There will be the iron rule of Jesus Christ. And Israel will be the capital city and all the nations of the earth will come and worship Jesus. Can't wait. And he says there, the apostles will be given authority to govern and to rule and to reign in the kingdom. Uh, incredible to consider, right? It, it won't be the White House. Uh, it won't be from China. It won't be from Rome. It won't be from the Kremlin. Uh, it'll be uh, from Israel that the earth is ruled. It'll be the throne of Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and the disciples will be given authority to rule with him. And I tell you, if we could only grasp, if we could only begin to grasp the things that Jesus has planned for us, we would be blown away. If you're a good parent, uh, you've got young kids, they're in elementary school, and if you're a good parent, you already start saving for their college. 
because you're preparing ahead. They don't have any concept about it yet, but you're preparing ahead for them. And we're finite beings. We're selfish beings. And Jesus said, if you, know, being selfish and sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly Father has good gifts for you. And uh, oh, if we could only ponder and consider what God has prepared for us, those who walk with him. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, For as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed these things to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Uh, yeah, it's bigger than we could grasp or ponder. It's, it's more, but God is trying to reveal these things to us even now, even here, even as we gather in his name this morning, some of the things that God has prepared for us. Going to be amazing. Not only will the disciples rule and reign uh, with Jesus, but all of uh, his disciples will, including us. Uh, look what he says again, verse 29. And everyone... That's you and me. Uh, say everyone. Yeah. That's you. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake, key, key component, for, for, to serve and to glorify Jesus, shall receive a hundredfold and eternal life. Everyone who sacrificed things to live for Jesus will be rewarded a hundredfold. And I think a hundredfold is just a, a euphemism. I don't think it literally means a hundred. I think it's going to be just exponentially more than you could ever imagine you're going to be rewarded for. Peter said, Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. What shall we have? And Jesus said, oh, buckaroo, if you only knew, if you only knew the plans that I have for you, uh, you would be blown away. We can't do high school over again, but we can do this life. We can do today over, and we can prepare for our eternity together and realize what Jesus is doing. How many of us are just like that homeless guy that lives here on the streets, you know, and, and they cling to their little shopping cart with all their stuff in it, and, and we're no different. And it should be nothing to give away that shopping cart, and yet it's everything to us. And our shopping cart is just bigger than theirs. There's really no difference. And here what we're seeing is a picture of, hey, what are you living for? And what are you going after? Jesus says there's no one who do sacrifices things for the kingdom that won't be re rewarded a hundredfold. Uh, he says those who have given up houses and given up relationships and given up businesses for Jesus' name. And you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that a real part of Christianity? Giving things up for the sake of the kingdom? Is that real Christianity? I don't, I, what, what about that? Am I supposed to make decisions that would cause me to lose things for the kingdom? What's the answer? Yes. Yeah, you might actually make a decision that honors God 
but isn't real helpful for your, for your business, right? You might choose to walk with integrity on this deal, and because you are and your competitor's not, you might lose the deal. And Jesus says there's no one who's lost a deal for the sake of walking to the glory of Jesus Christ who won't be rewarded a hundredfold. You might be lonely. You might be saying, where is this Mr. Right? Where is this Mrs. Right? I'm trying to do it right. And you've turned away a few relationships because you want to do it God's way. It might cost you something. And Jesus says, there's no one who's turned away from a relationship for my namesake that won't be rewarded a hundredfold. How are you doing on this? How are you walking? Beware of 21st century Christianity that promotes a lie, that promotes a false gospel of wealth and prosperity. If you, you know, if you just uh, name it and excuse me, name it and claim it, you can have it. No, no, no. Jesus says, listen, you need to learn to deny yourself and part of walking in faith is trusting that my way is better than your way. And Jesus says, there's no one who's done that that won't be rewarded a hundredfold. Big rewards. And if our faith in Jesus is real, it will cost us something at a lot of times in our life. We will stand for truth even when it's unpopular or uh, politically incorrect to do so. We'll stand for truth even when it means we may not get the promotion because we're standing for truth and our company doesn't like our stand. We'll stand for, for truth when, you know, when uh, no one else is. Uh, just there are times it's going to cost us something. We'll put God's will above our own. We'll choose to lose a buck over cheating to make a buck. We'll place integrity over profits. We won't manipulate truth to gain advantage. We'll honor Jesus more than man. We'll honor Jesus more than money. We'll honor Jesus more than entertainment. It'll cost us something, but Jesus says this, no one who does that uh, will, will go unrewarded. Um, there's uh, the big rewards for those who do it. Uh, the reality is, is we can't live like the world and profess the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not possible. We can profess a belief in Jesus Christ, but you can't profess what? The lordship of Jesus Christ. Say that word with me. Lordship. lordship. What does it mean? What does lordship mean? I want to hear from you. What does it mean? Ruler of our life. What else? The authority of our life. The governor of our life. It means that he is the boss. What he says is what we do. If my boss tells me, David, I need you to be at work at 6.30 and I want you to wear black pants and a white shirt. What do I do? Well, I make sure I'm there at 6.15 and I've got black pants on and a white shirt. Now, I'd rather wear jeans. I just like Levi's better, but I'll wear black pants on a white shirt because he's my boss. And that's what lordship means, uh, that we are under his lordship and we cannot live in the world and profess Jesus uh, as Lord. It's just the two are mutually exclusive. Uh, 
Church is not the place where we act like Christians. In our leaders meeting this morning, one of the uh, leaders brought up the point, may, uh, in the prayer, may our, may our worship on Monday look like our worship on Sunday. May we not just be worshiping at church and not worshiping during the week. May our faith not look different than it does here on Sunday morning than it does out in the world. Uh, this is the place where we come to learn and to worship and to pray and to grow on our knowledge of God's word. But it's out there is where we live out our Christianity. And yes, at times it'll cost us something. Uh, we won't take government money simply because we, it's, we're choosing the right to do the right thing. Now, there's a time to take it. I'm not against always, but I mean, uh, uh, do the right things, right? And Jesus says, I see it all. Everyone, he says, everyone who sacrificed things in this life to serve Jesus will be re rewarded a hundredfold. How awesome, right? Big rewards, uh, eternal rewards uh, for those who uh, live according to uh, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm looking at the clock. I think we can do this. I want to take you to a spot in Corinthians. Uh, uh, here's an interesting point for you to consider. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as you are, I want you to consider this point. I'm going to put it on the screens. Jesus will reward each of us differently at the resurrection. We just saw Jesus saying, no one who's given up things for the kingdom of heaven's sake, no one who's given up things for my name's sake will go through without being rewarded a hundredfold. There's going to be great rewards for the things that we give up. But we need to know this. Jesus will reward each of us very, very differently uh, in the... Uh, uh, at the resurrection, at the time of the rewards. 1 Corinthians 15, are you there? Yes. Give me a big amen if you're there. Amen. Find your way to verse 35. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is the great chapter on the resurrection. If you want to know more about the resurrection, study 1 Corinthians 15 uh, in depth. We're only going to cover a small portion of it, but this is the great chapter on the bodily resurrection. Uh, verse 35, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. Some will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Great question. What's our resurrection going to look like? How's it going to work? And what kind of body are we going to get? Verse 36, foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. Paul uses here an illustration of botany of an, to an agrarian society of botany to illustrate something. He says, hey, look, look at the, look at the seed, look at the, the, the plant world, right? And look what he says, uh, verse 37, what you sow, what you plant, you do not sow, you do not plant the body that shall be, but a mere grain or a mere seed, perhaps wheat or some other kind of seed. What's he saying? When you want an orange tree, you don't plant an orange tree. What do you plant? An orange seed, a little tiny orange seed, a little piece of wood in your orange, right? I mean, 
uh, incredible, just a little nothing. It looks like nothing. Uh, look, what, uh, look what he says, verse 30, 38. But God gives it a body as he pleases. Underline those words. As he pleases. Who decides what the orange tree looks like? God does. Who decides what the resurrection body looks like? God does. And to each seed, its own body. Look at the incredible diversity of the bodies in this room. Some are petite. Some are bigger. Some are smooth. Some are hairy. Some are just very different. And that's just in this room. Look at the difference of cultures and different nationalities. Just amazing. And then look at that's just humans. Now look at all the different bodies that are in the world. Bodies of animals. And I mean, look at a giraffe. Like, what the heck were you thinking? Uh, amazing, right? Heart of a giraffe. Biggest heart of any animal on the earth. Got to pump all that blood way up that neck. That's a big pumper, man, to pump blood up that neck. Uh, amazing design. He gives each one a body as he pleases. Look at verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. Yeah, all different kinds of bodies. There is an ant, and there's a beautiful woman. Which one is more glorious? Oh, a beautiful woman has way more glory than the body of an ant, right? There's also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. There's, you know, there's planets and all kinds of things. And there's also terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is, body is one and the glory of a terrestrial is another. There's the glory of the sun, the glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. And look at this. For one star differs from one another in glory. Why is he talking about animals and plants and birds and fish and snails and sun and moon and stars? Why is he talking about all these things? What is he saying? He's talking about the diversity in the bodies that are out there. Let me ask you, which has more glory? The moon or the sun? Which has more glory? A lot more glory. So much more so that when the sun comes out, what happens to the moon? It's just eclipsed in the glory of the sun. You can't even see it. And why is he talking about fish and all these different things? Look what he says. Uh, uh, There's the glory of the stars, and one star differs from another star in glory. Every star completely different. And look what he says, verse 42. This is so important. Underline these words. So also is the resurrection of the dead. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means what's on your screens. Jesus will reward each of us differently at the resurrection. Just like every star is different, just like every animal is different, 
There's the glory of a snail and there's the glory of a dog. Which one has more glory? Dog has way more glory. You can't say, come here, snail. Come here, snail. No, never happened. Never. But boy, you can have fun with a dog. Very different in glory. Each star differs in glory, and so it will be at the resurrection. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised how? In corruption. It's sown sinful, in other words. It'll be raised sinless. It's sown in dishonor. Think about how a body is sown. Have you ever been to a funeral? Have you ever been to an open casket funeral? Oh, they put makeup on and they tape the eyelids closed and they put a tux on old Harry and everything else, but it's still pretty stinking gross, right? It's sown in pretty raunchy, decaying dishonor. Uh, it's, uh, it's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, Romans chapter 7. That what I want to do, I don't do. That what I don't want to do, that's what I do. It's raised in what? Power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. Uh, hey, you're going to get a brand new body. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be sinless. And it's going to be different in glory from anyone else's and the amount of glory that you are given is determined by what? What you do here now with your faith. Jesus says there's not anyone who hasn't given up a relationship, a promotion, a deal, a friend who won't be rewarded a hundredfold over in the resurrection. And that reward will last for how long? For eternity. The glory of your reward will be the scope of your capacity to rule and to reign in the kingdom. Jesus told the apostles, I'm going to have you govern over all of Israel. And we each will be given and a, a, a gift that goes accordingly to our abilities that, that, uh, uh, based on what we've been faithful in. Uh, uh, Paul says, Do you not know that all who run in a race run to win, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may ob obtain it. Paul says, I beat my body. I bring it into subjection because I want to obtain. I want to lay hold all of what Christ has laid hold of me. And uh, so important that we understand. Uh, jump ahead. To, we don't have time to read more. I wish we did. You read on your own later. Jump ahead to verse 58 in Corinthians. And read this with me out loud, will you? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. After he teaches on the glory given at the resurrection, he says, hey, pay attention, man. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always be about the work of the Lord, knowing uh, that your work is not in vain. May we be wise. Big rewards are ours 
Big rewards await those who live for Jesus now. We may have wasted our high school experience, but man, we do not have to waste our life. Let's invest it wisely, living for Jesus, investing in his kingdom, for great is your reward. And in Jesus' kingdom, a very interesting thing that he says, here's what he says, many who are first will be last. Let's jump back to our passage and let's see what, uh, what he's telling us about this. Back in Matthew. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, we're going to be in, some, uh, in for some big surprises uh, in, the, in God's kingdom. Uh, it may not be those who have the microphone. It may not be those who have radio ministries that get, uh, that get the big rewards. Uh, you know who it might be? It might be that faithful widow who nobody knew, even knew her name. She might even be a member of this church and we don't even know her name. She's just a faithful widow who prays. She prays for her church. She prays for those Sunday school kids. She trays, prays for that little troublemaker Alex in Sunday school who just torments the Sunday school teachers. She prays for him. If your kid's named Alex, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> she prays for the pastor to have vision. To know God's will and to walk in it. She prays for the leadership of the church not to be puffed up with pride, but to stay humble and usable and teachable before the Lord. She ties faithfully her small little retirement check. She gives generously to those who are in need. She's just faithful. And that faithful widow, she may be unknown to us, but she's not unknown to Jesus. Jesus says, look how he finishes chapter 19. Uh, Many who are first will be what? Last. And the last will be first. And we're going to close with this next section. Then we're going to take communion. Look at chapter 20. We're going to cover a big section very fast. All of this is to prove this point. Jesus starts this parable and ends this parable with these words. Many who are first will be last. And who are last will be first. And here's the purpose of this parable. Jesus is letting us know that the resurrection rewards he gives might cause quite a few surprises in our eyes. It may not be what we think it is. It may not be, uh, you know, uh, what we think it is. Let's look at this. Uh, chapter 19, verse 30. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. What's he talking about? He's talking about at the resurrection, in the rewards. And now he gives a parable to illustrate this point that he just taught about the resurrection rewards. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Yeah, he goes out early in the morning to hire day workers in his, in his vineyard. Verse 3. And he went out about the third hour. The third hour is 9 a.m. The day would start at 6 a.m., so the third hour would be 9 a.m. He goes out at 9 a.m. And he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into my vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. Oh, I skipped one. I'm sorry. I skipped verse 2, didn't he? He went and agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day. And he said to them, work in my vineyard. Yeah, that's a day's wage. It's like a hundred bucks. 
And he says, come, you know, he goes out at 6 a.m. and gets those guys. Then he goes at 9 a.m. and gets the next guys. And he says, hey, uh, come and work in my vineyard. Whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Verse 5. And again, he went about the 6th hour. What time is the 6th hour? If 6 a.m. is the first hour, then 6th hour is what? It's noon. It's noon. He went out about noon. And then he goes out about the ninth hour. That'd be three o'clock. And he did likewise. And look at this. And he goes out at the eleventh hour. What's the eleventh hour? Five p.m. Wow. He goes out at five p.m. And he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, Why have you been standing here all idle all day long? They said to him, Because no one would hire us. He says, Well, I'll hire you. You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So when the evening had come, the owner of the vineyard went to a steward, and he said, call all the laborers and give them their wages. We're not talking about eternal life here. Eternal life is a free gift. We're talking about rewards for working in the, in the kingdom. Give them, their re, give them their rewards, beginning with the last to the first. Verse 9. And those who came, who were hired at about the 11th hour at 5 p.m., they each received a denarius. They got a full day's wage. How stoked do you think those guys were? Are you kidding me? A hundred bucks for an hour's work? You're amazing, right? Just amazing. So generous. They were stoked. Uh, I just lost my spot. What verse are we on? But when the first came, the guys that came at 6 a.m., they supposed they would receive more. And likewise, they each received what? The same amount. They got 100 bucks. Look 11. And when they, when they received it, they complained against their landowner. This is unfair. Are you kidding me? We've been working since 6 a.m., this guy just got hired at 5 a.m. and we get the same wage? What the heck? Verse 13. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, am I, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Didn't you agree to work at 6 a.m. this morning? Didn't you agree to work for 100 bucks? Weren't you happy to have the job? Didn't you think it was a great deal? Didn't you say, pick me, pick me? Didn't I choose you? And didn't I pay you what I said I would pay you? Verse 14, take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same thing as you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things. Wow. Or is your eye evil because I am good? Or in other words, should you be angry because I'm kind? And look how he finishes this. What's the, read verse 16 out loud with me. So the last will be first and the first will be last for many are called and few are chosen. We're going to stop here and prepare our hearts to receive communion. I'm going to ask Kyle and the team to come up, but let me break this down for you. The resurrection's rewards that Jesus gives may cause us quite a few surprises. We might see Ina Jones 
this unknown widow with no public ministry, rewarded for all eternity far more than Franklin Graham with his huge Samaritan's Purse ministry. We might be in for quite a surprise. Jesus says, the first will be last. Those who are great may not be, it may not be what you think. Uh, there's a great verse uh, that I love, a great verse to ponder. Uh, Paul telling Timothy the same thing. This is in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Read this verse. Uh, and you really need to think on this. Don't, it starts off negative, but it's not the point. There's a very positive message in this verse. Take a look at it with me. Read it out loud. Some men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment. But those sins of some men follow later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, but those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. Here's what he's saying. Some men's sins are clearly evident. Oh yeah, that guy's a drug addict. Oh yeah, no question about it. That girl's a prostitute, no question about it. Their sins are clearly evident. The sins of others, what's it say? They'll be exposed later. They're good at hiding them. And the point of this passage is not to talk about sin, but to talk about righteousness. Because he says, I know you can clearly understand that. Some of us have secret of sin, and you just hide it so well. Nobody knows it's there. But a sin of a drug addict, oh, you see, it's clearly there. But here's the point of his message. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident. Oh, yeah, there you are, Pastor David, preaching the Bible. Uh, your good works are clearly evident. But here's what Jesus says. Here's what the Bible says. But those that are otherwise, what? Cannot be hidden. That little widow who prays faithfully, no one sees her good works except one. His name is Jesus. And those works cannot be hidden. Jesus sees what is done in secret. He sees the prayers that a mom makes over and over and over. He sees a dad who's trying to disciple his son even when the son doesn't listen. He sees a dad who's trying to do the family Bible study and he's faithful to do it week after week after week even though he wonders, is it making any difference in these kids' lives? Jesus says, I see that. I see it. He sees the kindness that you showed that drunk person when you know nobody was around. He sees that the financial investment you make into the kingdom when nobody's looking. He sees you turn the other cheek when you've been wrong. He sees it all. And in Jesus' kingdom, the rich and famous will be last, but the selfless and the faithful will be first. And it's not those who serve publicly. It's those who uh, just, just live their lives to the glory of Jesus that will be rewarded in the kingdom. How incredible. How incredible, you know, that we should even be able to be rewarded. It would be amazing enough if God just said, hey, you get to come to heaven. But no, he gives rewards as well. And I want to encourage you, even those who are hired in the 11th hour, received a great reward. That parable reveals our entire life, not just one day. It's a parable that that day is 
symbolic of our entire life. And even in the 11th hour, it's not too late to use your life to the glory of Jesus Christ. I think of the thief on the cross. Who said, I believe you are who you say you are. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now what kind of reward do you think that thief on the cross is going to receive? He came to Jesus in the 11th hour with his faith. And yet look at how his life has ministered to so many. How many do you think have come to Christ on their deathbed after hearing the story of the thief on the cross? And you know Jesus is so generous that he gives that thief on the cross an incredible reward. Just amazing. redo high school but we can redo our life and even in the 11th hour we can use our life to live for the glory of God great rewards belong to those who do you may freely share this message with others as long as you don't charge for it support for these broadcasts comes from your generous donations that allow us to give away our materials for free to participate with us please visit our website at themissionchurch.net God bless.